The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. No, seriously, there, there's spoilers and, and foul language. Yeah. Welcome to $20 Ticket, where we tell you how much we would pay to watch Olympus Has Fallen. My name is Kerwin, and joining me today is Jason. What up, Jason? Not much. How about you, Kerwin? I'm good, man. What are you drinking today? Some ice cold Coors Light. Also with us is Mugga. What up, Mugs? What up? What are you drinking today? Truly Black Cherry. All right. And uh, making his return to the podcast is Dominic. What's up, Dominic? What's up, Kerwin? What are you drinking today? A Goldenrod Pineapple Cart. First time trying this, too. How do you like it? Uh, it's all right. <laughs> well... Hopefully, hopefully the episode gets better. Just like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. The foreshadowing. It's cold-blooded. Dun, dun, dun. All right, so we are talking about Olympus Has Fallen, released March 22nd, 2013. It stars Gerard Butler, Aaron Eckhart, Morgan Freeman, Angela Bassett, Robert Forster, Cole Hauser, Rick Yoon, Ashley Judd, Melissa Leo, Dylan McDermott, and uh, Rada Mitchell. It's directed by Antoine Fuqua, written by Creighton Rothenberger and Katrin Benedict, and distributed by Film District. So before we get into behind the scenes, Mugga, why don't you hit us with the financials? All right, so financially, this movie was a big success, um, bringing in close to $170 million overall, 98 domestic, a um, little over 71 worldwide. Um, opening weekend, it brought in close to 30 million, which put it at number two, which was weird. The Crudes, I don't know if you guys ever saw that, was number one that week. That's like a Nick Cage animated movie. I don't know. I haven't seen it, yeah. But uh, this all was done on a budget of 70 million. So worldwide, bringing in 170 million on a budget of 70, that's $100 million for this thing. I looked at the week that it did. There was not really a lot of good movies in. For some reason, I don't know if this is right because I don't have... The statistics, but it said Django Unchained was still in theaters. Does that sound right? It was at that time. I mean, I thought Django was earlier than this. I I believe no, Django came out like in 2012. So I, then it I was think. probably still in theaters. Yeah. But there's a lot of other movies that I really just don't know. Like Life of Pi was still in there, but it was in like its 122nd weekend. So is Silver Linings Playbook. So. So I, I don't know a lot of movies that I just really don't know. So it didn't have a lot of competition other than that movie, but it did come in second. But financially a success on a budget of $70 million, So, hey, it's what they want, right? Yeah. But yeah, those are the financials. All right. Jason, tell us what the people thought of this movie. So on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics, 49% of them liked it. Um, there's 196 ratings with an average rating of 5.38 out of 10. And the audience, uh, 66% of the audience gave it a 3.5 or higher with 148,000 votes with an average rating of 3.66 out of 5. So slightly higher with the audience. So there's one review on Rotten Tomatoes that kind of stuck out. It's by someone named Noah Beltsky. Uh He writes for The Atlantic. Uh, he gave it a rotten rating. But he put um, one of the most depressing and despicable films I have ever seen. Really? That was pretty harsh, man. I didn't, That's a little too harsh. I never... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if you don't like the movie, I mean, I don't think you'd say it was despicable. I'm like, Jesus Christ. The most depressing... And despicable yeah. film he's ever seen. He's he's never seen, like... The Room. <laughs> yeah. He's never seen The Room... Kickboxer. Kickboxer. Nothing like yeah. <laughs> Fifty Shades. Like, yeah. Come on, man. There's lots of choices. Yeah, check this our, one? Check our catalog. Yeah. Like. Uh, so I thought it was kind of brutal. Uh, IMDb had a rating of 6.5 out of 10 with over 252,000 votes. Again, I looked at the uh, demographics and the 18 to 29 males gave it a 6.6, .6, females gave it a 7.0. So each of the each of them, uh, there was at least 10,000 per age group. So I thought that was like a fair rating, but yeah, that's probably the biggest disparity. It's only four tenths of a point, but that's all I got for the, for the ratings. 
All right, let's get into behind the scenes. So uh, I want to start off uh, talking about the director and the writers. Uh, This movie is directed by Antoine Fuqua. He did uh, the movies Training Day, Shooter, The Equalizer, and Southpaw. Um, He also did a Muhammad Ali HBO documentary called uh, What's My Name, colon, Muhammad Ali. Uh, The writers on this movie are Creighton Rothenberger and Katrin Benedict. Uh, Between the two of them, they've written the entire Fallen trilogy, so this movie and the two sequels after, as well as Expendables 3. And I believe this is their first ever movie script, so this is the first movie they ever got greenlit and worked on. Um, Moving on to the development... Um, Before this movie even came out, it was already in competition with another very similar movie that released around the same time called White House Down. Uh, That movie stars Jamie Foxx and Channing Tatum, and it was produced by Columbia Pictures at Sony, so that came out the same year. Right, yeah. Have you seen that one? Not yet. I haven't either. Yeah. Yeah, Might have to do that after this. I don't know. I think I saw it once. You like it? I don't remember it. Guess you don't. (laughs) Guess you don't like it. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds pretty memorable. Yeah. Was it was it a painful and depressing experience? <laughs> nah. Okay. It it's not that bad then. Yeah. It's like whatever. Yeah. Um actually the the guy that directed White House Down is Roland Emmerich who did Independence Day. So yeah, he's a alumni on our uh, on our review circuit. Um, so once Millennium Films, uh, the production company for Olympus Has Fallen, got the spec script for this movie uh, in March of 2012, they got Gerard Butler on board immediately, and they started rushing it to production in the summer of 2012. Because uh, both these movies, uh, White House Down and Olympus Have Fallen, have nearly identical premises, Millennium wanted to beat that movie to the box office, and they did. Uh, Olympus Has Fallen came out March 23rd, 2013, and White House Down came out June 28th, 2013. So the two writers for this movie, they submitted a spec script. And uh, just in case uh, anybody doesn't know what a spec script is, it's usually a script that's focused um, solely on selling a production company like on your storytelling ability, like what the story is. Hmm. It doesn't have like the production notes in it, camera, all that other stuff. It's more of just, here's the story, what do you think? And they try to pitch it to get it bought out by a studio. So, concerning the script, there actually was a legal dispute regarding this movie as well. So, according to Wikipedia, uh, Rothenberger and Benedict may not have been the only people that developed this script for this movie. Uh, The Hollywood Reporter says that Creighton Rothenberger filed a lawsuit for a declaration that he was the sole author of this script, but his former writing partner, John S. Green, filed a counterclaim saying that he worked on it as well. Uh, Rothenberger tried to have that counterclaim dismissed, but a California judge decided the case was worth digging into. Uh, the article on uh, THR goes on to state that the idea for Olympus Has Fallen dates all the way back to 2002, when both parties, Rothenberger and Green, talked about a movie where terrorists would take over the White House. They even took a trip to D.C. together to walk the White House perimeter in order to write the initial treatment. Uh, John S. Green makes the claim that Olympus Has Fallen was his idea. Um, so he he makes the claim that um, the title was his idea. He chose the title for it. Um, THR goes on to write that uh, the original 41-page treatment was registered by both parties with the Writers Guild of America back in 2002, but it was never sold. Uh, the two would you know put it on hold, and they would go back to work on it again in 2009, and then they would take another break until 2011 when Rothenberger found a new manager and agency to work with. In 2012, Roth, uh, Rothenberger sold the script, but he never mentioned that Green was a part of it as a co-author. Green wanted a declaration of copyright co-ownership and a breach of a partnership agreement, among other things, in, in his case. Uh, Rothenberger tried to have those claims shut down by way of a uh, three-year statute of limitations, and uh, he also brought up the fact that their 2002 copyright of the script didn't have Green listed on there either. 
And based on these facts, Rothenberger claims that Green kind of let go of ownership of the project years ago. So he knew his name wasn't on it, never made any attempts to claim it up until now. So he figures like, you know, why are you, why are you hiding out for this long and now all of a sudden you want credit? Mm. Uh, John S. Green's attorney says that, quote, if our client, Green, wins, um, he'll be the co-writer of the script, which means he'll have the same right to transfer sequel rights as Rothenberger, and he doesn't have to sell it to the studio. So this means that if Green won his suit and was granted a co-authorship, he would have a copyright claim to the script, and he could legally blackmail these people, or not blackmail them, but like withhold the rights from them so they could never get a sequel made. Wow. Like he could, he could pretty much hold them hostage financially. Yeah, like hold over their head. Yeah, no, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, so if he would have got ownership, that would have been crazy for him. Um, Rothenberger's lawyer says that, uh, quote, Green's claims are ludicrous. Uh, to be an author, you actually have to write something. My client wrote the whole treatment and the script as evidenced by a copyright registration in 2003 that Green never contested. So once again, Green knew he wasn't on it, made no attempts to kind of put his name on the script. And he kind of let it slide. Hmm. Um, he went on to say that Green is just an opportunist, you know, who sat back for 10 years while Rothenberger pitched his script to studios. And the whole time he was writing and rewriting, even after it sold. And Green's name isn't on any of those subsequent drafts. And um, he didn't share any of them with Green, Rothenberger. If he did, it was only as a friend and not as a business partner. So there was no reason for him to get co-authorship because he's just like, hey, have a look at my script as opposed to we're working on this together. Um, and then eventually the case ended in a settlement and uh, Green won 175K. Movie-wise, considering how much this movie made, 100 mil, yeah. that's nothing. No. You probably lost half of that or more yeah. on legal fees. So. Wow. That's crazy, man. What a dirtbag. Yeah. I don't like him. Yeah. It's like, oh, remember I gave you this one idea 10 years ago? Yeah. Why is my name not on this? Why do I get all this? It's like, what the fuck? No, get the hell out of here. Yeah, it's like, hey, you know that thing that I knew you were working on for a decade that I just stopped working on with you and now I want credit? I'm like, yeah. nah, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. So let's move on to the cast. Uh, so, of course, we got Gerard Butler starring in this movie as a 75th Ranger Regiment and Secret Service agent Mike Banning. Uh, Gerard Butler was actually the first person cast in this movie days after Millennium Films got the script. And uh, Gerard Butler is also a producer on the film as well. So, uh, you know, that's probably why he's on it right away. We got Aaron Eckhart as President Benjamin Asher. Uh, he and Morgan Freeman were both in The Dark Knight together. Yeah, love it. So that's cool. We got Morgan Freeman as Speaker of the House, Alan Trumbull. Uh, according to IMDb, he's been pretty open about why he did this movie. Cash. He's, he's pretty much just flat out said it, like I did all three of these movies. For money. There's three. Oh, there's only two. No, there's, no, three. there's three. There's Angel is Fallen. That's a, that's and London is Fallen. What's Angel is Fallen about? Good Basically play. trying to frame Mike Banning for the murder of a... Uh... No, don't spoil it. I don't, haven't seen the second one. Yeah. Don't spoil sure. anything. Right. I don't want to... I don't <laughs> want to know. Anyways, it's trying to tarnish him. Did you like... I liked Morgan Freeman in this because... I don't want to get into my treasure right now, but I just... There's a part where he actually like gets angry and yells and it's like... Yeah. Wow. Like you never see him do that. Yeah. Never. Like just very cool, calm, collected, well thought out, and it's just like he. I mean, he's under a lot of pressure. I get it, but I don't know. There's just something that kind of stuck out to me. No, I, I, I remember that too when he's talking to the army general. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and he's just like, dude, like I'm. I think he's like talking about puts like, him in his place. Yeah, he's yeah. like, I'm the one in charge or whatever. But it's like he like. I think he stands up and just gets really angry. I'm just like, fuck, dude. I've never seen the side of him. I, don't I know. would never want to piss Morgan Freeman off. Never. <laughs> never. <laughs> 
Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, speaking of him being in charge, you yeah. know, he was the president in Deep Impact. You know, mm. uh, yep. that came out alongside so, what Armageddon. Armageddon. Yeah. Yeah. He just has a presidential aura about him. He really does. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame that he's the speaker of the house. But maybe in future movies, he becomes the president. Who knows? I haven't seen him. Um, and then during filming, he liked to play pranks on people. I think I've. I think we've heard about this. Like Morgan Freeman isn't like known for playing pranks on people. I guess on set. Really, I, I never didn't heard know that. that. Yeah. yeah. I think I read that somewhere. Like he's just he just likes to goof off that's on cool. set, so that's pretty cool. Like if you watch the Dark Knight behind the scenes, like very rarely do you see bloopers in Christopher Nolan movies. But there is one scene where he like leaves his office to go check downstairs where mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne's doing the giant computer, and like when he leaves his office and he walks out of frame, he like hops and skips on his way to the office. <laughs> Shit, that's funny. Yeah. So I, Christopher Nolan, I need to see like funny stuff from behind the scenes on your movies. I, I need that. Um, then we got Angela Bassett as Secret Service Director Lynn Jacobs. Um, the only reason she did this movie was because she always wanted to work with Morgan Freeman. That's literally the only wait, reason wait. she did it. Ash, oh, wait, Ashley Jedskirk? No, Angela Bassett. Oh, I was going to say, okay, yeah. No, she yeah. Did, I, I liked her in it, too. I think she did a good job. Yeah, me too. Like, she has, like, that presence on screen. Yeah. Like, that real weighted presence. I like yeah. that. Um, her role was originally written for a male actor, but uh, that was changed after Antoine Fuqua convinced... Angela Bassett to audition. Great so choice. I, I love that yeah, she's yeah. in it, yeah. Then we got Ashley Judd, you know, Double Jeopardy, coming back. Uh, she plays First Lady Margaret Asher. Uh, Winona Ryder was the studio's first choice for this role, but she was too busy taking care of Will Byer, I guess. I don't know. Who knows? In the Upside Down. And then uh, we got... And uh, Ashley Judd and Morgan Freeman have been on uh, four movie sets together. Uh, Kiss the Girls, High Crimes, Dolphin Tale, and Dolphin Tale 2. So they've done four movies together. Hmm. Never seen the Dolphin Tales. Is that like Shark Tale? Like, I think it's live action, though. Oh, yeah. it is? I think Isn't it is. Isn't it where the dolphin literally has no flippers or something like that? Something oh. Like that. Yeah. It's a Disney movie. It's oh. Just Disney. Yeah. I don't know why I thought that was animated. I don't yeah. know. That's crazy. Hmm. I, I could be wrong. I haven't seen him either. Well, you I might did be see right. Kiss the Girl. That's it's good. Never even heard of that movie. Dolphin Tail? No. No. Well, we gotta find. We gotta watch it. So we got Rick Yoon as North Korean terrorist uh, Kang Young Sak. Uh, he and Robert Forster, who plays uh, the Armored Chief of Staff, have both appeared in the Fast and Furious franchise. So Rick Yoon was uh, the bad guy in the first movie. Johnny Tran. Yep. And Robert Forster was in Too Fast, Too Furious. Was he the federal agent that was like a jerk? Or? No, he's the villain. He's the villain. The main villain really? that is dating. What's that girl's name? Evan Mendez. Evan Mendez, yeah. Oh, okay. Now, he's done a bunch of other movies, too. Like, he's in um, uh, The Breakup with Vince Vaughn, Jennifer Aniston. He's the brother. That's like, hilarious. But no one ever... It's a it's a movie that I cherished. Days and Confused. Mm. And he's the one at the very beginning. He is. Yeah, doing the paddle and all that stuff. Yeah. I think his name's Benny. Remember? Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, I, I, yeah he's, he's had a fun career. Damn. I Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, the only Fast and Furious movies I remember... Are like three and after. Too fast, too furious is horrible. It's awful. It's awful. Yeah, but he's not bad in it. I'll yeah. tell you that right now. He's not bad in no, it. No, he's a good villain. Yeah, he, he's 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 a intimidating dick. Yeah. and like he's a villain. But what you talking about, Cuz? You don't remember number one? No, no, I I remember number one, but like one and two, I've seen the least. Really? But I do like I do like number one a lot. It's just like I I've seen number one and two the least overall. You yeah, actually number- watched number three. Yeah, number yeah, three is not bad. Three is underrated. It's, bad. it's underrated. Three is good. Yeah, Tokyo Drift is good. And I gave stopped us- watching them after three. Ten dollars just for that song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a classic, 
classic musical composition. Pharrell was the producer Everyone on that. Everyone knows what we're saying. Bro, we got <laughs> like, the... You do that little melody. Yeah. No, you got the Neptunes on that? Very, very end, right? Yeah. 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 All right, but let's let's get back to this movie. Oh, we can do Fast and Furious later. Um, so he plays... Uh, Rick Yoon, he plays a North Korean terrorist also in another movie, Die Another Day, where they literally turn Asian people into white people. You have to watch it. I'm not even joking. James Bond, right? What? Yeah, they literally transform an Asian man with a machine into a white dude. You haven't seen it? It's Literally, with Halle Berry. The one with Halle Berry and yeah. the Mr. Freeze castle? It's Pierce Brosnan. I don't remember that one. Oh. It, it's when they went really so stupid with the James Bond films. Mm. They got it right when Daniel Craig came back on, right? Yeah. yeah. Watch, watch Die Another Day. It's not good at all. And then watch Batman and Robin right after. <laughs> like okay. you, And you'll see, the, you'll see why. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to all check right. it out. Yeah. I've seen it before. Die Another Day, all right. Yeah. Um, director Antoine Fuqua said that he didn't want to cast Middle Eastern actors as the film's villains because by this time... You know, so many films have done that already. According to IMDb, he wanted to focus on uh, real-world tensions between the United States and North Korea, and he thought it'd be more interesting to use them as villains because they're so closed off from the world, and no one knew what they were capable of doing. And I really appreciate that. Like, I was watching this, I was like, I kind of like that they don't go with, like, your, I guess your atypical terrorist kind of person. Like, it was kind of refreshing to see that. I don't know, I kind of liked it. And it's that, just a post-9-11, though, too, maybe, you know? Don't well, want to touch on that ass. I mean, I, I get it. Was there movies after nine eleven? But I think like Eastern? for a whole decade sure. after nine eleven, like every every Everyone movie did. was yeah. just Middle Eastern, Middle Eastern, Middle oh, yeah. Eastern. Like, and we talked about this in uh, True, True Lies, Lies. How like I thought they weren't going Middle Eastern after that because of the connection to it. They faced some backlash because of it, but after nine eleven, I feel like Hollywood just said all bets are off. The same way with like the 80s, we had the Cold War movies. Right. Up until like yeah, the, Rocky the, Four. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, after 9 11, there was everything was about, you know, Middle Eastern people and culture being bad because that's just how we like to frame things when it comes to Hollywood. And then, then we moved on to North Korea. Like, I, you know, the villains always change with every decade. Now we got cyber terrorists, yeah. you know, in, in everything, you know. So depends on the era you live in, I guess. And then, last thing about Rick Yoon, he was born in Washington, D.C. So, no, that's cool. Too bad they didn't film there. Um, then we got <laughs> Melissa. I thought that was odd. Yeah. Then we got Melissa Leo as a Secretary of Defense, Ruth McMillan. Uh, she was uh, filming this movie with a short-haired wig on because at the time she was also working on a TV show called Tream. I believe I'm saying that right. And uh, she needed to keep her her hair long for that role. Mm. And then uh, for her more physically demanding scenes, uh, she did like step ups in between shoots to keep her heart rate up. So that's cool. Uh, we got Dylan McDermott as a United States traitor, uh, Dave Forbes. Uh, this is the second time he's played a Secret Service agent. Uh, the last movie he did it in was uh, In the Line of Fire back in 1993. He also appeared with Robert Forster in a 2014 movie called uh, Automata. It's a science fiction movie that stars uh, Antonio Banderas. So. Uh, then we got Rada Mitchell as uh, Leah Banning, uh, Mike's wife. She's been in multiple movies with Morgan Freeman as well, including uh, Feast of Love, Thick as Thieves, and uh, the sequel to this movie, London Is Fallen. Uh, we got Phil Austin as Vice President Charlie Rodriguez. He looks like Mike Pence. Doesn't say much, doesn't do much. I kind of thought yeah. the same thing. Like, yeah. he looked like him. He looked a lot like him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we got um, at least two real TV anchors in this movie. Uh, so we have Lawrence O'Neill from NBC, and we have uh, Hamish McDonald. He's an Australian news reporter, and I believe now he works in Western Europe as a, as a TV anchor. I could be wrong, but yeah. Moving on to production and visual effects. Uh, I found a lot of this stuff in a uh, FX Guide article called How VFX uh, Saved Washington. This movie, if you could not tell, 
was not shot in Washington, D.C. No. I, Jason, I was surprised just like you are. Oh, my God. It's crazy, right? Increíble. I, yeah. <laughs> Incroyable. All right. So uh, this movie was shot in Louisiana, down the street. Um, yeah. Um, the opening sequence uh, in which the first lady dies in a car accident was uh, shot in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, in the middle of summer. So all the snow and winter effects that you see had to be created digitally. Everything is digital. In the summer. It was in shot, Louisiana. It was shot in the summer in Louisiana. Jason, let me tell you how much of this is not even real. Okay. The cars are not real. The road is not real. The trees are not real. So what is real? I believe it's a 20-foot by 80-foot portion of the bridge that they're on. And then a couple damaged SUVs and then the damaged limo that the first lady's in. And that's all. That is all that is real wow. in this whole... So, so there's, like, there's basically more real things in the Polar Express than there are on this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally. Pretty much. Like, the only thing that is real are the interior shots of the car. Okay. Uh, the shots of them trying to save the first lady from the damaged car. Oh, okay. And the actors. But, like, the drive there, all fake. The trees, fake. The road, fake. Mm. Everything is fake. The time of day, fake. So every single shot in that wow. scene that doesn't involve a real person there is a 100% CGI. So how are you going to do snow in Louisiana? How humid it is and all that stuff in, in the summer, too. Even fake snow. Even like, fake. You can't do that. There's no way. Yeah. Why do they decide to do that? I don't get it. Well, tax purposes or to something. beat it's the be- other White, White House down? Or? Well, I, I don't know because I don't think the budget was that large for this movie. What would you say? It was like 70 million? Yeah, it was 70. Yeah, so like this kind of movie, 70 million is not a lot no. in 2013. It, it, so I'm surprised they did this much CGI with yeah. that little money. The budget's also... Includes like the actor salaries and all that stuff. Salary or? advertising, all uh, okay. yeah. I mean, you got Morgan Freeman, yeah. Angela Bat. You got like really good actors. You're probably paying movie. close to twenty mil just for the actors. Yeah, gotcha. well, just for Gerard them. Butler too, off three hundred and all that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So you know how I said the cars are fake in this scene. So um, they attempted to do this sequence with real cars skidding on a road, and they thought, okay, let's just wet some pavement so we could have like that black ice effect. Mm-hmm. But uh, it just never came out right. So they said, you know what? We'll CG that, and after that, they just decided, well, we might as well just CG everything because, like, we, we can't do it. So, everything in that sequence is fake except for the people and part of the bridge, and that's it. So, the water, fake, river, fake, everything's fake. Yeah, they CGI'd Ashley Judd, too. So, she's yeah. actually not in the movie. <laughs> she's really not in it. She's, they, they might as well have because she ain't in it. That was a waste. Yeah. Um, for the White House and the DC attack, um, they built partial areas of the White House building. So all they really did was build a facade of the front of the building. No roof, nothing, just like the front. So you could do the upward angles and stuff. Yeah, that's all they built, and it's literally on stilts. Like just um, <laughs> what what are those called that you use to build stuff? I forget what they're called. Like the little angle ups that you stick up against a, a facade. I've been told too what they are. It's not like. It's not braces. I forget what they're called, but yeah, I forget what they're called too. But like, yeah, it's literally just it's like it's like uh, they're on an easel essentially. Yeah. So it's just like a big facade of the front of the White House, and they got a lot of it wrong because I'm like I've been there. That's not what it looks like. Yeah. yeah. So what they did with that was they they had that facade and a bare lawn. They did like the little fountain in the middle or whatever, and there's no trees, there's hardly any people, and there's nothing in the backdrop. They CG'd the hell out of this. Like, they added the trees, added the driveway, added, like, the roof, 
you know, the external buildings, security. They had a couple cars drive by that they could use on uh, some of their compositing plates. But 90% of everything you see in these shots is done with visual effects. Which I want to I wanna bring up that at least they did get the layout for the most part because where he's working is the Treasury Building, which, remind me, that was on the left of the White House, right? And then the right side is the Vice President's Building or whatever it is, that one that looks like a cake. So if you're tour, looking at the White House? If you're looking at the White yeah, House. No, that, that and they cool. actually actually held true to that at least because I thought that was kind of cool, you know? But there's a couple other things when they have like the other shots, they're like, well, you're missing stuff in these, but whatever, dude. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wouldn't even doubt that they're missing stuff because, like, all of D.C. is CGI. Okay. Like, the roads, everything. And, I mean, look, I don't really need to explain that the whole plane attack is fake, so I'm going to skip all that. Um, the only things that were real were the cockpit shots with the real actors. Uh, those were shot on a green screen stage along with some extras and vehicles that were out on a location in Louisiana. Uh, they added all the surrounding buildings, the skyline, you know, like I said before, more vehicles via visual effects. Um, if you look at the VFX breakdown, I think you might be able to find it on YouTube. You can see how much compositing went into this movie. Like we talk about Independence Day, like this, this is like modern day Independence Day with how much compositing they did in this movie. Like the grass isn't even real. Like that's, that's how much work they did on this. Like it's crazy. And the worst part is they use zero green screen. So everything had to be rotoscoped. And for you guys that are listening, you know, rotoscoping is where you have to go in by hand and pretty much outline frames like one by one in a movie. So, I mean, you might get some assistance from your software and all that, but like painstaking, like without without green screen or balloon screen. And like to give you an example of how how much work they did, there is a shot of Gerard Butler hiding behind a tree on the White House lawn, you know, with his pistol drawn or whatever, Mm -hmm. while people are like panicking and freaking out. And there's destruction everywhere. There's smoke, you know, with the White House close by, you know, in the left hand part of the shot. Um, When you look at the original shot of this scene, he's in the middle of a park behind some random tree. And there's just green grass everywhere. And you can see a Toyota Tacoma in the background. Can you really? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like he's literally just in some random ass park behind a random ass tree. And they composited that whole shot so that he's on the White House. Oh, the, 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 the Tacoma's not in the movie, right? Oh, no, the no, no. They've messed up. Okay, that's yeah, what you're saying. But like, that's that's just how bare bones this, this wow. whole sequence was. Um, the sequence involving the, the uh, Black Hawk uh, helicopters trying to breach the White House. Um, CG copters, of course, uh, with actual cockpit shots uh, filmed on an indoor stage with a blue screen. Uh, they mounted the full-size cockpit of the helicopter on like a motion base that they can control with like a hydraulic robot. And uh, for this movie, there are a total of 1,800 effect shots made for this movie with 1,300 making the cut. And to put that in perspective, Rogue One had 1,600. Wow. And this movie has 1,300. In the universe. Galaxy far, far away. And (laughs) to put that in, and to even put in more perspective, Olympus Has Fallen has more effect shots than any of the first three Transformers movies. Good God. That's That's how many VFX shots are in this movie. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't even, I couldn't tell. You couldn't no, tell. No, I mean, like, the. Well, wait, uh, what? Aside from, like, the obvious, like, the helicopter and the plane and stuff like that, but as far as, like, oh. all this other shit you're talking about, I'm like, I didn't. Oh, yeah, when I say things like the grass wasn't even real, yeah. like, you don't expect that. Yeah. 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 Purposeful, you think? Save I think, money? I think save money because there's probably a lot of red tape you have to go through to film anywhere in DC. I could imagine. And I think for them, they're just like, you know what? Instead of spending this money on location and having to do with, like, the weather out there like why not just deal with the weather here 
and we can have more freedom because we don't have to worry about scheduling and all this other stuff. Yeah. So that's interesting. But on a $70 million budget, dude, to do this much work, I I can't even imagine like why or how, or I don't know. Um, so moving on uh, from production, I do want to talk about airspace restrictions because the largest and longest sequence in this movie is, you know, the North Korean attack on Washington, D.C. I did some research and I found an article on mental floss called 11 places planes can't fly over in the U.S. So number one, we got George Washington's home in Mount Vernon, uh, Virginia. The restrictions on that are uh, surface to 1,500 feet above sea level. So you cannot fly within that range. They implemented this restriction because, you know, it's an old wooden mansion and they want to prevent any potential flyover from causing any additional damage to it. And uh, even aerial photography is restricted on this uh, location. Number two and three are Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida, and Disneyland in Anaheim, California. And uh, the restriction for both of these is that you have to fly at least uh, 30,000 feet above ground level. So after 9-11, Disney somehow added a no-fly restriction to uh, to a $400 billion federal spending bill in 2003, which helped it get temporary restricted airspace for its parks. And that restriction is still there to this day. Um, So the funny thing is about this is that there's a Christian group called the uh, Family Policy Network that is fighting to remove the airspace restrictions so that they can fly homophobic banners over the parks to protest uh, Disney's gay days where they celebrate the LGBTQ community. They're fighting legally like, hey, can you unrestrict their airspace so we can fly these banners over telling them that we don't like gay people? That's literally like their their whole plot right there. Yeah. Number four, we got the Bush family compound in... uh, Gonna butcher this name, uh, Kennebunkport, Maine. The restriction on that is a surface to uh, a thousand feet above mean sea level. So, uh, because so much of the Bush family frequents there, inclu- including uh, both presidents, uh, it got its restriction. So, you got a lot of high profile people going there. So, you definitely want to protect that. Number five is the uh, Pantex nuclear facility in uh, Amarillo, Texas. The restriction of that is a surface to 4,800 feet above mean sea level. Uh, This place dismantles nuclear weapons and is also a storage facility for all weapons built during the Cold War. Uh, There is a 10 mile no fly zone surrounding it. Number six, Camp David, which we see in the movie, that's in uh, Thermont, Maryland. Uh, The restriction is surface to 5,000 feet above mean sea level. It's the presidential retreat. Obviously, you want to keep that uh, protected, and you also have a lot of international VIPs go there. There's a three-mile no-fly zone around it. Number seven, we got Kennedy Space Center uh, on Merritt Island, Florida. Uh, Restriction on that is surface to uh, 5,000 feet above mean sea level, and it can be adjusted uh, to an unlimited restriction based on notice. So if they got to launch that day, you cannot fly, period. Like, you cannot fly whatsoever. Eight, Area 51. Shout out Independence Day. Uh, There is no flying over Area 51, period. Like, it is more restricted than the space around Washington, D.C. So you cannot fly around it or above it. Uh, Number nine, Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness in northern Minnesota. The ban on that is a surface to 4,000 feet. It's a million-acre wilderness reserve that runs 199 miles along the Canadian border. The no-fly zone was established by Harry Truman back in 1948. Number 10, we got the Naval Submarine Base Kings Bay in Georgia. The ban on that is surface to uh, 30,000 feet. This base is home to the Navy's Atlantic Fleet Trident nuclear power subs. Uh, It's got ballistic and guided missile submarines and a whole missile factory known as the Strategic Weapons Facility Atlantic. 
This base also focuses on maintaining and modernizing the U.S. Navy's submarine fleet. Uh, even though it's got restricted airspace, there have been eight violations with four crashes in the area. And that brings us to uh, number 11, of course, Washington, D.C. airspace. And the restriction on that is a surface to 18,000 feet above mean sea level. So, you know, we all know that you can't fly aircraft over Washington, D.C. What we have around D.C. is an air defense identification zone known as a ADIZ which means that the airspace over any given area is controlled and or restricted in the interest of national security. So like all those spots we talked about, they probably have ADIZs. Uh, the Federal Aviation Administration and the Department of Homeland Security requires that any aircraft entering this space has to identify themselves. Uh, within the ADIZ is a smaller zone called the FRZ or Flight Restricted Zone, which is 15 nautical miles around Reagan International Airport. So the particular zone related to this movie uh, wasn't put in place until February of 2003 to restrict air traffic near Washington, D.C. Uh, on Wikipedia, it says that uh, this restricted airspace was not in response to 9-11, but it was implemented in 2003 prior to the U.S. invasion of Iraq. And uh, the restricted airspace was made permanent in 2008. So what we have now wasn't wasn't even a thing until 2003. It was, wow. a, it was a lot more lax before that. Can I bring up something? So we went to DC together as a trip. If you guys ever get to go, DCA is the airport that's right there on the other side of, is it the Potomac River? It's right there, yeah. And if you watch the planes, they quickly have to bank immediately right, I think as they go off, I think that's what it is. Because if they, if they don't do it right away, they will actually enter that airspace on the airport. So if you ever fly out of DCA, they, they quickly bank right, otherwise they will be entering and they will get shot down or whatever I heard. You know, I don't know the protocol, but yeah, it's kind of crazy. I think you said, what was it, within 15 nautical miles. I know, but how many feet though? You said above so 1,400. Oh, it was yeah, like, 18,000. Okay, yeah. So you're way below. Oh yeah, 18, you're, yeah you're going you're right up. Yeah, yeah, so that makes sense. Yeah. I do want to bring uh, a couple incidents that happened uh, over Washington D.C. involving unauthorized flights. The governor of Kentucky was flying to D.C. for Ronald Reagan's funeral. The plane eventually landed at Reagan International Airport, but it freaked everybody out because during a high-profile national event, this little tiny plane made it so deep into the no-fly zone, and it was the closest a civilian aircraft had ever gotten to the White House since September 11th. So the type of plane that it was was a Beechcraft King Air, which is about 40 feet in length. Uh, for comparison, a Boeing 747 is 250 feet in length. So this is a really, really small plane. They had to have two hearings on Capitol Hill after this, one with the House Subcommittee on Aviation and one with the House Armed Forces and Homeland Securities Committee as well. Regarding the incident, uh, Texas Representative Jim Turner asked, quote, does the existing no-fly zone around D.C. give us enough time to intercept the terrorist control flight? Because, you know, tiny plane somehow yeah. makes it in. Uh, according to the Washington Post, uh, this is the closest they'd ever been to shooting down a plane over the Capitol. They were literally on the phone with the commander of NORAD. Air Force General Ralph E. Uh, Eberhardt, ready to give the order to shoot. But the only reason they didn't issue the order to fire on the plane is because the pilot of the F-16 couldn't make visual contact because of clouds. So wow. if there were no clouds, they would have shot down the aircraft and killed the governor of Kentucky. Wow, that's yeah. insane. Yeah, but luckily uh, the plane turned around and landed before it was identified. Uh, according to the article, the Kentucky governor's plane had a broken transponder and that's why it couldn't be identified. So, you know, like the control towers or whatever, like they receive your signal, they know who you are. But during their takeoff, the pilot realized that it was broken. So 
Uh, he had to notify the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, about the problem after they took off from you know wherever they came from. He was just unable to identify himself. Um, the second incident, according to Wikipedia, occurred about a year later, and it involved a student pilot flying with a pilot who wasn't up to date with the ADIZ rules. Um, it wasn't until that they saw an F-16 dropping flares in their field division that they realized they were in a restricted area, and uh, they were five miles from the White House. So all, all these tiny planes just like slipping through the cracks. Um, so for any plane that flies into the restricted area, there is a laser warning system that lets people know when they've crossed into restricted airspace. Uh, they fire these super bright laser beams directly at the plane entering the restricted area. And these beams are so bright that you can see them up to 20 miles away, even in broad daylight. So that's how powerful they are. Um, and according to a response on Quora, as of 2020, a few buildings in the area do have surface-to-air missiles. Uh, the new executive office building, uh, U.S. federal government office building, and the Eisenhower executive office building, which is right next to the White House. So at least those three buildings have uh, anti-air missiles. Um, these missiles have yet to be fired, but are in place, of course, to shoot down any aircraft as a last resort. Um, there is one more incident, though, that I found on CNN involving a mailman from Florida. Shout out to Florida men. Uh, and this is back in 2015. Uh, this guy's name is Doug Hughes, and he flew a small gyrocopter, which is pretty much a bare bones flying machine, into D.C. Uh, and landed it on the west lawn of the Capitol building. He wanted to make a point about the outside financial corruption that exists in politics, so he flew an hour from Maryland delivering letters addressed to every member of Congress telling them that they need to reform campaign finance laws. Uh, his machine was so small, NORAD wasn't able to pick it up, and the incident caused the U.S. Capitol to be shut down for part of the day. Uh, once he landed, Hughes was taken into custody, and then a bomb squad got sent over to inspect his vehicle, but they didn't find anything. Uh, Hughes was arrested and transferred to a cell block in Washington. Uh, afterwards, the Secret Service went to Gettysburg Airport to investigate his vehicle and trailer, which were still parked there. Um, allegedly, the Secret Service knew about this guy back in 2013. This happened in 2015. And uh, they had received a call about his intentions to land his aircraft in the Capitol. Uh, when they investigated Hughes at that time, I guess they didn't find anything too suspicious, so they kind of left him alone. You know, but two years later, he landed right on their front steps. So <laughs> I don't know. Insane. Uh, but, you know, that's that's pretty much it for all the uh, the factual stuff, I guess, about the restricted air zone. Uh, you know, if I got anything wrong, feel free to let us know, of course. Um, so in that movie, what's going on, right? We see just one attempt to take it down, which is that there's way more that we just probably don't know. Because what you're saying is like it's very heavily restricted to fly over there. And if you do, stuff will happen other than just being escorted or saying you're in a no fly, right? And that's kind of what I got. I looked at it. I was like, there's no way that plane would be up that long in that yeah. restricted airspace. There's no Especially way. that big of a plane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they would. And you ain't gonna you ain't gonna direct any missiles through your flares. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. Like they they definitely would have had like more more people on resistance. You. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like they would have more planes in the air. Period. Mm -hmm. Probably at all times for that. I don't know. Especially with uh, the South Korean prime minister visiting, yeah. I, I think security would be much tighter. But um, so moving on to fun facts, uh, according to IMDb, uh, the attack on the White House that you see in this movie was planned by former Secret Service agents who described how they would attack the White House. Not sure if that's a matter of national security, but, I mean, it's in the movie. Uh, we mentioned that they filmed in Louisiana in the summer. Uh, it was so hot that the Humane Society made sure that all the German shepherds were put in vans between uh, shots, so they had AC the, the whole time, which is cool. 
Um, the body count in this movie is a 168. It's, it's a John Wick film, huh? It's just that up there. Yeah. Uh, 168 is significant because if you add all the digits in 168, you get 15, which according to Kang, the villain, is how long it took the armed forces to get to the White House. So nice coincidence there. I was reaching. Um, There was a TV spot for this movie that had the emergency alert system tones in it, which are only to be used for real life emergencies. Uh, In March of 2014, THR reported that the FCC, Federal Communications Commission, proposed a $1.9 million fine against Viacom, NBC Universal, and ESPN for airing this TV spot a year prior in 2013. The FCC proposed these fines saying that, quote, frivolous, casual, or other uses of EAS tones for reasons other than their defined purposes can desensitize viewers to the tones and therefore undermine the effectiveness of the system in the event of an actual emergency. So basically, you know, cry wolf situation, right? Uh, The networks responded that no one would have confused what was obviously a movie commercial for an actual emergency, but the FCC wasn't having it. Um, You can still watch this TV spot on YouTube. So oh, I'll look that up. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, wrapping it up, uh, music in the sequel. Uh, the music in this movie is done by Trevor Morris, who worked on uh, Gotham, the TV series. Mm-hmm. London Has Fallen, the sequel to this movie. Uh, Need for Speed Carbon. And uh, he also worked on Hard Target 2. Is that a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie? It's a sequel to one, and it stars uh, Scott Atkinson. Is that his name? Yeah. yeah, so it stars him. So we got to do Hard Target. Don't. Scott Atkins. No, he's great. <laughs> Wait, is it Atkinson or Atkins? Atkins. Scott Atkins. All right, yeah. my bad, Scott. My bad. But that's a. Uh, oh, and of course we got two sequels, like we discussed before. I, we got I London. There's only one. I did not know there was a third one. Yeah, it yeah, came out uh, 2019. The second one. Morgan Freeman in all those. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he got paid. Yeah. That's why he did it. Is Gerard Butler in all three? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So um, that's it for behind the scenes. The sequels are a bit better. Are they really? Yeah. Are they shot on location? <laughs> I, I don't know. I didn't research them. I just watched them. Moving on to our experiences. Uh, Jason, what is your experience with Olympus Has Fallen? So I think this was on Netflix a while ago, too, because I remember putting it on and I fell asleep. So I watched it recently for this podcast, I want to say a Friday, so two days ago. And I don't remember much of the movie. I was watching it and I was like, holy crap, Like I don't remember any of this movie. So... I'm glad I rewatched it, but um, yeah, I, don't, I didn't see it in theaters. I remember seeing previews for it, but I remember seeing previews for that other movie too, I think. And White House I, Down. White House yeah. Down, and I was like, what the hell's going on? Why are we putting out so many movies that seem so freaking similar? Now, I haven't seen that one, but um, I wasn't real excited to watch it. That's why I didn't go to the theater. It just happened to be on Netflix, and I was like, oh, I'll put it on, and I just remember falling asleep because, I don't know, I was ex- I, kind of excited because I liked Gerard Butler after watching 300. And I thought this was an interesting role because I think after 300, he did The Bounty Hunter with Jennifer Aniston or something. He did do a good movie, though, called Law Abiding Citizen. Oh, that did one that is too. badass. Wasn't that, that with yeah. uh, Jamie Foxx? And that was Jamie, Jamie Foxx, Fox, also. Right? Okay. So, Jared Butler and Jamie Foxx. That's yeah. a great movie. Yeah, yeah. That, you could ever watch it. I remember that one, yeah. That one was good, too. Um, but then he, like, missed on a bunch of others, I think. Didn't he do, like, a, a romance movie called, uh, where he's, like, a dead guy and he sends a letter or something like that to, like, somebody? I didn't watch it if he did. I, no, I, I <laughs> yeah. watched, I, I was made to watch that in the past, and I wasn't well, feeling it. Didn't he do it was like, one? Deer something. Didn't he do one called, like, Machine Gun Preacher, Machine Gun Pre, or something like that, Shot, something like that? I just know he did Gods of Egypt. <laughs> or <laughs> He was in that? Yeah, Drawer oh Brother was in there. God. It was whitewashed. But anyway, nothing special about my yeah. experience. Damn. Mugga, what's your experience with uh, Olympus Has Fallen? This 
this came out in a time where, which I'm, I'm, I, I'm different now, but it came out in a time where I was anti, um, I guess like special effects and all that stuff. And the trailer that I saw, I, it did not interest me at all. So I boycotted, not boycotted, I just, it, it was never going to get my money at the theaters. I didn't want to watch it. I think there was a couple times where it was on TV on a Saturday or a Sunday, whatever it is, and you try to watch it and it just wasn't, I wasn't feeling it, you know? We then decided to do it. So I literally watched it this morning for the first time, full length, yeah. Um, and uh, that's my experience. I literally watched this about eight hours ago. So the actual full length, which there was parts where I'm like, okay, I've seen that scene, I've seen that scene, but from start to finish, I finally watched it today. But yeah, that's my experience. All right. Dominic, what's your experience? Uh, I don't remember when I watched it. I think I watched it when it did come out. Uh, I think I just went to the theater by myself and just caught it on like one afternoon. Yeah, nothing's really special. That's my experience. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, I had never seen this movie before. We we scheduled another recording today of uh, Happy Gilmore, so we said, you know, let's just do two. And it was either between uh, this and Den of Thieves. And then, you know, it was already on the list, so we went with uh, Olympus Has Fallen. The only thing I remember from this movie is that I remember the part where the Secretary of State or Defense is getting beat up by Rick Yoon's character, because I think I might have seen this in passing on TV or something like that, but like I've never seen this movie in its entirety before, so this is my first time watching it. So I watched it like last week. Yeah. Yeah, on like Monday night. On so. Netflix, huh? Yeah, on, it was free this time. Yeah. yeah, I got to watch it, yeah. So that's that's my experience. Uh, let's so we see. all don't have a really memorable experience. Yeah, nah. Not at all. <laughs> nah, nah, that's uh, it's, it. It's, I just watched it out of boredom, really. It's just like... <laughs> Spoilers, guys. Yeah. Review's gonna be tough. Let's move on to Trash and Treasure. Jason, what is your Trash and Treasure with this movie? I was talking about this uh, before we started the podcast today, but I think the uh, opening scene with the accident, it happens so fast that it does not give you a lot of time to connect with these with these people, with these actors, with these characters. I think it's kind of a bummer. It's kind of a miss. Um, you're kind of alluding to there's lots of just bad CGI. I just think the graphics on the jets and the planes and the helicopters, it's just so, just so freaking obvious how it's just CGI. I, I hate it. It really took away from the movie. I like that it's over the top. Uh, no pun intended there. It's not over the it's 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 over the top, but sometimes like I enjoy that. Like it's thing I was telling Mugs, I was like, some movies you watch and it's like, oh well this you know, this plane's shooting down and like it doesn't hit anybody, or this person's walking out and oh they, they get the, the bullet misses them. It's like, no no no. This thing does not hold back. Like it fucking goes all the way, but it, it does it a little too much. Um like when Johnny Tran, I'm going to call him Johnny Tran, but <laughs> that's serious, kills the dude while on the phone. So, like, he gets up on that screen with the White House staff, and he, while on the phone, he says it was a foolish team to send in the, is it a foolish thing to send in the SEAL team? And then he, like, just kills the guy, right? It's just like, I don't know, just something about that part really caught me off guard. I was like, man, that's like, it's too much now. It's like, yeah, have him up there threaten them, you know, you know, put out your demands, but it's like, he just kills them right away. And it's just like, we get it. Like you guys are pushing all the boundaries. I just feel like that part just kind of stepped over it. It just took me out of the movie again. Is that the vice president, right? That he shoots? It might've been, you know, I don't even remember now, but it was just so like quick and abrupt and in your face. And it's just like, we get it. Like you guys are doing this. Like just, you didn't need to do that. Um, One thing I didn't like is there's a shot 
after they play this clip of this British reporter saying that the U.S. is pulling the Seventh Fleet out of the DMZ, and it cuts back to a shot of the White House, and this is after all the damage has happened. There's nothing. There's, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with why. There's like a semi truck with like a crane on or some shit, and it's just like there's like no damage, and this is probably two thirds through the movie. Is that the flag scene where it's all? <laughs> Like falling down. That's and Michael Bay right looks there. Looks like huh? pristine. Was... Like the White House looks pristine, but the flag yeah. is falling down. Yeah, but they're watching this clip, this news clip, and he's like talking about it, everything that's going on, and then they cut to a shot of the White House, and it's like, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing going on. There's no people. Nothing. I was like, what the Jason, fuck are we doing? Jason, there's no people because it's not real. <laughs> it's true. And I'm like, now I'm getting. It. I'm like, oh, okay. There's no one there. Of course. Um, and then I don't know about you guys. So the I might pronounce it wrong. Cerebrus was that the name of it? Cerberus. Cerberus. Sorry, Cerberus. So I know they need three unique codes that only each individual has. How did they get the third code from the president? Thank you. They cracked Thank it. Thank you. How? So Encryption, they they kind of they kind of say that yeah. that they broke the code, but like they cut back and codes in there. Yeah, just good to go. And I'm just like, what? and he's just kind of standing there. I'm like. He just said he will never give it up. He said it multiple times, and it's like, all of a sudden, they have it now? Well, they figured, I think the logic was that they have a higher probability cracking one code as opposed to three. So that's why they pushed for, like, the first two. And, like, all right, we have a better chance of, like, just cracking this one. I, I need them to say that, then. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a long, no, they, they, thing. No, they said that in the movie. Just be more sp- explicit about it. Yeah. 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 Because, like I said, it felt like they alluded to it, but it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't very explicit. I'm, like, kind of left just saying, like, okay, so now you just get the third one, like, like yeah. that? It's crazy. I don't know, Dominic. You're coming into this movie's defense a lot. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm curious what is trash and treasure. Gerardo Bular. <laughs> but I'll kind of end my trash there. My treasure is, I think Gerard Butler does a great job. Do you like his physique? He has his shirt off when he's at the very beginning after the first opening sequence he's still at got Camp it. David. He's, 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 he's built. Oh, yeah, he's still, he's still, he's still got he's it. Really built. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yes, I like his physique, man. <laughs> um, uh, I think Aaron Eckhart was okay as being a president. Not my favorite, but I think he did pretty good. I, I wish we would have saw more of Ashley Judd because I do like her. I'm not going to lie. I was waiting for him to just go, Rachel! Yeah, I know. <laughs> like the whole time. Yeah, I just feel like his haircut was just kind of whatever too. Like it just doesn't seem it didn't seem very presidential. I don't know why that stands he out. He looked to me. more like a president as Harvey Dent. Yes, yeah. yes, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I just like something about him, like you could have just done a little bit more effort and came off way better, but that's just me. Um I, I don't like that Johnny Tran's a bad guy again in this. Like, I don't know. It's just like uh, I thought he's a bad guy in everything. He like, did nin- well, nin- I was just like kinda of wish you would have Ninja been Assassin, guy. he's a bad guy. Yeah. Fast and Furious, yeah. like yeah, I, I agree with you, man. That's one of mine too. Is just like, can we can this guy be a protagonist once yeah. in a while? Like, because I think he's a decent actor. I was just like, it was just I don't know. I again, I like the the move from like your typical terrorist to now something different. I like that, but yeah, it's just bummer seeing him as a bad guy again. Treasure the part when the big plane is just mowing people down. I'm just like, holy fuck, this is happening. And people are really dying on the streets, and I'm like, again, this is one of those times where you're just like, wow, they're 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 going all out. They're doing it, yeah. Yeah. Um, when the suicide bomber blows himself up, if you go back and watch this scene, it's really quick. But I think it's who I think Christian Asoy came up with the Chrysler. He's a skateboarder. Yeah, yeah. So if you watch this scene, when Gerard Butler gets kind of blown up, he's kind of near that guy. He just <laughs> just Chrysler. Like trampoline. It, just Chrysler <laughs> it away, and I'm just like. I'm going back now and watching because I think I saw this. It's like, it's a call to Christian Asoy, just Christ yeah. there, you know? 
Uh, <laughs> it made me laugh. Um, definitely action-packed. I, I do like that. Like I, I keep saying, they just go over the top. The dump truck scene, I just think, is it's out of control, man. Just, again, just these guns and just mowing people down. There's tons of blood. It reminds me of like a like an 80s, 90s action movie. It's like Die Hard. It's kind of like Die Hard, but it's like it's it's you have this R rating and you are going to take full advantage of it. It's kind of like a Logan or a Deadpool. It's like, oh, we got this. How far can we push this? And it just feels like an 80s, 90s kind of like action movie reimagined a little bit. I think Gerard Butler is just brutal. Just the knife through the head and just, yeah, snapping people's necks and just everything. Yeah, it's insane. And then my, my last treasure, I'll kind of leave it at this, is just, again, like I said, it's good to see Morgan Freeman get angry. I don't know why <laughs> that I like that, but his temperament's always just really cool. It's, it's interesting to see him get, you know, upset. That's well, that's that's his secret. He, he's always angry. He's always angry? He's always angry. Only guilty man in Shawshank. <laughs> That's all I got. All right, cool. Mugga, what is your trash and treasure? I, I'm, I'm going to start with my treasure. I did like the cast to piggyback off what Jason is saying. I thought they are all really talented actors. And besides the CGI stuff, they did a great job being on film. Um, I love the fight scenes, especially with the double agent, the guy that switches, as well as at the very end. So it kind of reminded me of like Jason Bourne-ish kind of thing, the way he stole the knife, got him in the heart and all that stuff. I really like that. And the way the double agent at the very end makes it somewhat right, you know, he, he says, hey, all right, I'll, I'll say I got you, you know, and then he, then he takes his death like a man, you know. I, don't, I thought that was, like, kind of cool. Um, you're saying they don't have character development in the very beginning. I kind of think they do with Gerard Butler as far as with the family. Like, he's boxing with the president, mm-hmm. his conversation with the kid on that drive, because then that shows how when he saves him, you know, in the walls and all that. I guess just with the... Well, with. Ashley Judd, you don't. Ashley Judd, yeah, you don't. And she dies, so it's like, you're kind of like, well, whatever, you know? Yeah. But I I do like his connection with the family because at the very end, it shows like he really, at the whole time, he wants to be back on there. And when they walk out the door, I I, kind of like that, you know? Um, Jason, you and I had both talked about this. The killing in this is very unpredictable. The plot is not, but the killing is very, like when Gerard Butler literally has the two guys handcuffed, and he and the guy's laughing and just right up the chin, dude. Yeah. Just, uh, sorry that your guy was funny, you know. Yeah. I, I like laughed and I'm like, what the yeah. hell is he gonna do now, you know? But that's kind of all I got for treasure. Uh, getting into trash, I thought the plot in general was predictable. You yeah. could, could tell, okay, he's no longer gonna be on the Secret Service, and then he's actually going to, you know, find a way to get back on and save the president. You already know it was coming. The CGI was just awful. Um, did anyone else feel? I, I watched. I mean, I love Top Gun, and I love that they never used any CGI. Did anyone else notice, like, when they had the F, the fighter pilots? I think those are F-35s, the newest ones, or whatever. It reminded me of the movie Stealth with Ryan Reynolds. That was so god-awful, dude, you know? And I'm like, come on, man. Give me something real. We're talking a lot of Jamie Foxx today. Yeah. We're talking a lot (laughs) about Jamie Foxx. So so there was that... um, when they are CGIing the White House and its layout, I think they did get some stuff wrong from when I was looking at it. I'd have to look at it again, but I think there's one time where they're showing at the very end, hey, they have already rafters ready for the the Washington Memorial, but you don't even see the Jefferson Memorial in the background. And I'm like, that's literally what you should see from the White House because there was supposed to be that line of sight and all that stuff. But uh, other than that, I think the countdown code at the very end, like, was it that difficult? Like, 
Gerard Butler trying to get like it, it took like 45 seconds and he waited I, I hated the way that you said hashtag on the like why don't yeah. you just say pound yeah like, like, like these guys are not saying like, hashtag isn't it the technical term like shift three or whatever it was <laughs> yeah like, the number <laughs> symbol something yeah, yeah it's like don't you work for I don't know it, it just seemed weird yeah. that you're seeing hashtag but my last one and I will always say this I, I know there's 168 deaths in this movie I, but I, I, they shoot that dog. That guy shoots that dog, and you hear it whining. I'm like, major trash. Fuck you guys, man. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's my trash. Hey, at least in a kickboxer, they save the dog. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, Dominic, what is your trash and treasure? Oh man. All right, my trash is uh, from the very beginning. I just felt like this whole movie was lacking context with like a lot of the characters, um, especially with Forbes, which is with like, the double agent. I was like, he had no real motivation to really commit treason. Like the stupid shit he said, it was like, oh, globalization and you Wall, know, Wall Street. I'm just like, really? That's like, elaborate, nothing, elaborate more. There was yeah. nothing in the beginning of the movie that made you feel like you were against like the president's policies or anything like that. So I was like, this movie sucks already. It was lacking context, and then just the the fact that a lot of this doesn't seem plausible. Like why drive in a snowstorm with no with no snow chains? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I had to work up in the, in the mountains a couple of times, and I know immediately that I had to put snow chains on. Yeah. So like, but, especially if they're in a snowstorm, like I don't see why like the head of security or their secret service wouldn't like just call it and be like. But Dominic, why would they need chains when the snow's not real? Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, they were kind of foolish going down the street of Louisiana in midsummer with snow chains. Like, oh, it's really coming down. But then, like, they're just driving with some fucking regular ass tires. I'm like, I don't know. That didn't seem right to me. Seems I, um, like seems like they didn't have a good year. <laughs> they they should have made Gerard Butler's character's last name Stone, so that way they'd have to fire Stone after this. Add all those drums. <laughs> um, I kind of wish like that little talk that they had with the kid, the exit strategies that they were going over in the car. I wish that that would have come into fruition later on in the movie, because they just talk about it and the kid memorizes it. But later on in the movie, you just see him in some random like what's it like a hole in the wall. Yeah, so I'm just like, I wish they would have showed him escaping. Because they kind of set it up for that, and they never... Yeah, yeah. so I wish that would have happened. Um, Gerard Butler's wife served no purpose. At all. <laughs> at at all. all. He didn't need to be married. Yeah, he didn't at all. That like, fight at the beginning, like, what are you guys doing? Come yeah. on. Yeah, it's like just to show that he's a workaholic or something, I don't know. Like, they're trying to push that he needs to take a vacation when they were talking with Angela Bassett and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I guess, but she had no purpose at all. Like, she didn't help nobody, like stitch someone up that was important to the movie or anything like that um the graphics on the plane trash I feel like the whole secret service in the movie is trash <laughs> like they were just running, running out willy nilly while the was the plane was shooting them down I was like yeah. do you guys not see <laughs> the 10 people that just got shot yeah. like why don't you just like retreat and like hold the fort or something like that yeah. and they're just like coming out with little pistols and, like come on now I'm shooting from the street at the plane yeah, yeah it was ridiculous yeah. So I thought that they had the equivalent of a stormtrooper level aim and intelligence. <laughs> Again, no real backstory to the king. Like I think they talked about like his mom being murdered, like at the border or something like that. What was the backstory on like, why he was doing all this? She got killed by like a U.S. landmine or missile strike or some random shit like that. Yeah. So now he has this great vendetta against the U.S. over 
I don't know. I just feel like that was pretty weak. I feel like it was over the top with the Secretary of Defense with the pledge scene when she's being dragged away and she started doing the Pledge of Allegiance. I was like, Jesus, this is so corny. Military was useless. They didn't show up at all. Um, the Hydra gun chopper scene was ridiculous. What is that? The oh, when the Blackhawks came in? Yeah. 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 And they were all just watching it on the screen. Like, what are they doing? Just watching all the choppers go down and then like, after they see like the last one, they're just like, retreat, retreat. I'm just like, why didn't you do that in the first place? Like, I'll just go to my treasure because there's a lot more. <laughs> uh, I put Morgan Freeman, of course, because he held it down. Um, Gerard Butler. Um, the interrogation scene where he knifed the dude through the skull. Overall, I enjoyed the, the over-the-topness, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, I was entertained by it over the fact that it seemed implausible or improbable. And, I don't know, this kind of reminded me of, like, a Fast and Furious and stuff like that. And also, like, a Tom Clancy game. I don't know if you guys are familiar with, like, mm. Splinter Cell. But, like, the cutscenes, I feel like if they took, like, the cutscenes from, like, a Tom Clancy movie and made, like, a live-action ad- adaptation to it, I feel like that's what it really came down to. So, I basically enjoyed the, the basic premise of the movie, but just the, the story was kind of lackluster. Got you. Yeah. All right, uh, let me get into my trash and treasure. So, with the trash... Um, it's gotta be it's gotta suck being a single dad and the president I don't know that's just something I thought about um uh DC is not that empty and especially in front of the White House uh I wrote this trash before I did the research right and then I realized that um none of this is real half the people aren't even real so that sucks uh like you said Jason uh, I kind of wish uh Rick Yoon was a good guy for once um that being said I feel like to Dominic's point this could have been a setup for a great Fast and Furious movie. Like, imagine this happens, but they call Toretto and, like, his team. You got Luda, Tyrese, you, know, you got Michelle Rodriguez. I don't know. That'd have been cool. You know, what, what would you call this movie? Freedom and the Furious? I don't know. Who, who knows? Um, the CGI is bad. Before I did the research, I was just like, this looks like a PS3 game. Like, everything just looks fake in this movie. Um, the poor civilians, like you're saying, Jason, like, like, yeah, civilians got shot, but, like, damn, like, shot after, like, scene, the whole scene just cut to people dying. And I'm just oh. like, we get it. People are dying, but, like, you just keep showing the carnage. And I'm like, I get it at this point. Like, they're killing everybody. And it just it just felt like it was a little too much at times. Like, you know, if you want to show, like, military, police, Secret Service getting killed, but, like, showing the innocent civilians dying one by one in the street, I was just like, that's eh, kind of messed up. I wasn't feeling that all parties involved maybe you can show that but don't use the civilians as cannon fodder i wasn't feeling that shooting the dog never cool like you said mugga um so like when gerard butler is in the computer room right and he's uh, activating the security override with his fingerprint would somebody working in the treasury still have secret service access in the white house 18 months after being let go i would think that's cool. another thing yeah even when, at my job like when i leave a park they change all the the keys and the locks and stuff like that and the codes to the safe yeah like the day you leave like your shit is gone yeah like you cannot clock back in so yeah. the fact that he has override in the white house i was just kind of like that's kind of that doesn't make any sense like you said dominic you know dylan mcdermott's motivation is severely lacking wall street all this other stuff like and his motivation, like when Gerard Butler asked him is, oh, I lost my way. And I'm like, for real? We, we didn't even need this character. I never believed for a second that he could ever take Gerard Butler one-on-one. So he's useless. It would have been cool if like he was his equal and that would have made like a, a more brutal fight. I would have appreciated that more. You know, just this whole thing with the U.S. pulling out of 
the Sea of Japan and the DMZ and all that stuff. And like the whole world is on edge because it's just like, oh, Team America's withdrawing. Only Team America can save us. Kind of like how we talked about in uh, Independence Day. And it's just like, you know, yeah, it would be a big deal internationally, but it's just like, you know, the world doesn't fucking stand still because they said like, oh, we got to contact the French. We got to contact people in Europe. Like, I'm pretty sure other nations are immediately mobilizing based on our partnerships internationally. Like, the world is, isn't just standing still, like, because we're pulling out. They said they're contacting other countries for backup and shit like that. So, I don't know, I just, I just kind of felt like, it, it just felt like real Team America at the moment. And, you know, to bring up the code thing, I think there's a really or there's a really great story opportunity that they missed with the final code. Wasn't the whole point of the president allowing them to tell their codes, uh, the first two people, was because he was never going to give his up, right? No right. matter what. Yeah. And so that's why they needed the kid. But they already saved the kid. So there's no reason whatsoever for him to give up the code. And like you said, Dominic, they said they were fishing for it or hacking or whatever, getting their Hugh Jackman on and Swordfish, I don't know. And... So they find the code eventually, but like you said, Jay, I wish it was more explicit that that's what they were doing. But there's no reason for him to give up the code. Kid's not there. They made such a big deal about the kid being the key to get the president to give up his code, but they save him like a third through the movie and he's not relevant anymore. They should have kept the kid alive and the first attempt to extract him should have failed and at the very end, with his son's life on the line, the president is willing to give up the codes. That's what they should have done. So like you guys are saying, like Gerard Butler teaches him the escape routes. Mm -hmm. Like the first extraction should have failed. Him and Gerard Butler get split up and he's using the knowledge that Gerard Butler gave him to make it through the White House until the end where he gets caught. And then once he gets caught, you use that to make the president give up the codes. So everything comes full circle. Bam, there's but, your but movie. But they, <laughs> exactly. they don't fucking do that. I mean, there's um, great ideas there. It's just the execution is just shit. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's so much setup and you never get any. Because like when the kid got saved, I was just like, why? Why? You yeah. set us up for, for this whole movie about him. Knowing Do, all the steps. Yeah. And feet yeah. And all Are you going to show that to us? Like, what's the deal? And then, you know, it would have been nice for another thing to come full circle because you have the president boxing, doesn't fight. Like, it would have been nice to see the president get like one hit in. He, he does. He, he does? does with his yeah, head. He does. He does. Well, I'm just saying he does. He goes, don't let your guard down. He, he takes him out. I, I thought that was kind of okay, cool. Okay. I, I guess so. Um, and then, you know, how he failed Mike uh, Gerard Butler's character to save the president and his wife at the beginning, it would have been nice if he was presented with a situation where the most likely outcome is that he could only save the son or the president. And then you would have gotten the full circle thing, but it would have come full circle by having him save both because yeah, he couldn't yeah. save both in the beginning. So why not do that? Why are you setting us up for things that, that don't happen? Um, hashtag hated it. Yeah. Um, and then the movie wraps up way too quick. So it's like at the end, we get this like speech and we're just not gonna talk about how the South Korean prime minister was killed on US soil in the White House. Like that seems like a pretty big international deal. So yeah. I just thought that was kind of weak. Uh, my treasure, you know, I'm glad that Aaron Eckhart went from district attorney to president. So he's really moving up in the world, <laughs> but I feel bad for him because, you know, first Rachel, now the first lady. So my gag can't win. Um, you know, Ashley Judd has really come a long way since her last husband framed her for his death. Um, Secret Service guys seem like they have a lot of fun at the beginning of the movie. So I appreciated that. To your point, Muggs, I do like the opening sequence because you build the relationships. But like you said, Jason, and I think we all agree here, none of it really goes anywhere. It doesn't. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't go anywhere, unfortunately. Except for the kid, I think. 
Too bad the kid's gone. Like yeah. you don't even but see him at the like end. Like you're saying, like yeah. they didn't even utilize it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they didn't show like why they fired Forbes. Oh, Forbes? No, he was retiring. The, uh, yeah, because when they're at Camp David, he's like, "Hey, you want to hold down the fort?" He's like, "Oh, cool. I'm about to retire. I'm just gonna chill." But like his motivation is just like shit because it's just yeah. like, why not quit, bro? Like you hate the president this much, quit. Yeah. Um, and then um, you know they said the title, so I was cool with that. The attack on the White House is like really, really well done. Like that is a. It's just badass overall. Like the coordinated attack, I really like that shit. I kind of wish they would have shown them acquiring all these things. Well, like the bad guys. Yeah, like the you know the dumpsters, the the plane, all this heavily. Instead like, of just throwing yeah. it at you at once. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that takes a lot. Yeah, a lot of planning, like months and planning. Or give us like uh, some like lip service. Just like tell us like you know we spent months doing this. Yeah. And we did this, and this like is each how- month we would bring over four guys or something like I don't know. Yeah, just something like that. Yeah. Um, I love the one-liners in this movie. Just like, is he alive? And Gerard Butler says, ask me a serious question. <laughs> so I appreciated that. Um, and then when they say like, oh, a Cerberus code has been entered. And Gerard Butler says, you know, what's Cerberus? And they tell him, that's classified. And he's like, oh, really? Classified? Because right now I think I'm have, I have a proverbial need to fucking know. And he just sits at the Oval Office with like the desk full of guns. And I'm like, some Far Cry? some Far Cry shit right here. I was like, this is straight out of a video game. It is a video game because none of it's real. Um, and then I love when um, when he's just like, uh, why don't you and I play a game of fuck off and you go first and he just clicks it off. So I thought that was funny. Yeah, this movie's got some dope one-liners in it. Um, I feel like uh, regarding the kid, uh, Sinbad would have never let that happen to the first kid. <laughs> uh, I feel like somebody saw first kid and said, oh my god let's make this rated R so I feel like that's what happened with this movie um, you know Gerard Butler's just kicking ass this whole movie the performances are on point I wish he was in like another major franchise put him in a Marvel movie a Star Wars something like that I feel put like it- he got 300 and that was like his peak and he's never been given another opportunity am I wrong on that I mean I yeah just- nothing major since then yeah, yeah just like just like these smaller B movie action flicks right or dramas but he's, he's a great actor oh he is yeah. put him in uh, Fast 10 or Fast 9 or whatever is coming out he actually out next. is in uh, Chasing Mavericks which I think is a good movie but I'm heavily attached to it because of the surfing industry you know what I mean so it's one of those things got you you know Ruth is a real one she was holding it down I can't lie the Secretary of Defense she's, yeah. oh, she, yeah. she was a real one like I, I'm glad they did not kill her because I would have been pissed I would have been real pissed but I would have been like this is this movie this is real yeah yeah keep it real and then my last treasure is uh mike keeps his promises yeah he said he was gonna put a knife in kang's brain he put he put a knife in his brain i appreciate that yeah i I like that he's a man of his word so uh that's it for my trash and treasure can i I bring up one thing that is not a trash or a treasure i just when i was watching i was like jesus christ it's after they, they they basically take the front lawn and they're now invading the house they had a wild, wild west shootout. You have these guys going up to agents. They don't know if they're dead or alive yet, but they would just lift their head and just fire another bullet to make sure, hey, you're gone. I, when I saw that, I was kind of like, this is that kind of movie. You know, just, I mean, just like, they, like they're laying there just to make sure, bam, you're gone. You well, know? they're going through the rooms too. And I yeah. think they, yeah. they open one of the rooms and they, they, they shoot them, but they walk up to each one and they unload and each yeah. one more. And I'm yeah. just like, Double tap. Yeah. yeah. There, there's no like, oh, I thought I killed them. There's none of that. No, they're dead. Yeah. There, yeah. There's no guessing. And I like that because we talk a lot of times about bad guys that just like don't do anything. They half-ass yeah. it too. Like these guys 
They do well, shit. And Gerard Butler says these guys are well trained. They're well organized. Yeah. We're all oh, thorough. Yeah. 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 So I, I give. That's, that's, that's why that's I wish I would have seen like the development of how they came up with this plan and executed it. Because they're so cool, yeah. but they have no motive. They have no real substance. Yeah. To I'm like, you should go to the studio and make a prequel movie for this. Dude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, here's the training of what we're gonna here's get to. Plan. Could have been a series too. Got like, eighteen like a, months. Like a short series where they show like all ten episodes on Netflix. Oh, or something. dude. And yeah. then the last two or three episodes is just this White House scene. I don't know. That'd be pretty sick. I'd be yeah. down for that. Yeah. Let's move on to ticket prices. Mm-hmm. Jason, how much would you pay to watch Olympus Has Fallen? This is tough because there are some things that I appreciate in the movie. But a lot of the CGI I can't get over. I hate going first to this. Fucking sucks. Because you can't get a, like a... a, a like I can't a, get a reading of the room. Yeah, because I don't know where you guys are What is it called? A I'll go first. Yeah. I'll go first. You want me go to go? No, yeah. no, I know I got it. Okay. I'm going to do it. You better not say I some outrageous this. shit like $25 or... <laughs> Dominic, we can't go past 20 But I'm okay. just saying. Unless it's Jurassic Park, then you can go 25 Yeah. Um, No, no, I got this. I think, I think I'm going to go a soft 10 Um, I think that... The action being that over the top, just the brutality of Gerard Butler's character, just we talked about some of the scenes. The scene with the plane mowing these people down. I, I, it's just stuff that you don't see in a lot of action movies. Like people are left and they think they're dead and they're not. And they come back and like just stupid shit. Like this doesn't do that at all. Um, and I think Gerard Butler did a great job. I, I was hovering between a five and a 10. Uh, I might even change my score if you ask me in a couple days, but or my price, my ticket price. But I think I'm gonna go soft ten. All right, Mugga, how much are you paying? I, I was the same like Jason. I was in between five and ten, depending on the research, which you did not help out my score at all because you kept saying CGI is ninety percent of this is just you know three D. But like, I don't want to take away from the actual characters or the actual performances by these guys because that's not their fault, you know. In a sense, I just so I was between a five and a ten, and I. It's like, I won't watch this again unless it's, like, on, I guess. Like, I don't want, hey, you want to watch Olympus is Falling? But, like, I, I don't know. I was really confused. I think I am also doing a low, I don't know. You say soft. I say low 10, I guess. I think there is some something there, but it's not great. I want to give it a 5, but I think it deserved more than a 5. I, I'm going to give it a 10. All right. Dominic, uh, what are you paying yeah, I kind of equate, like, the movies that I rate. Like, if I say 10, I kind of feel indifferent about the movie. It's like, if it's on, it's on. Like, I'll just watch it just to kill time. So, I think I'm going to go along with everyone and agree as far as, like, giving it a 10. It's like, it doesn't earn, like, the 15, like, as far as, like, the but plot. But it's not a 5. Yeah, right? it's yeah. not a 5. You know, I would watch it and be, like, entertained by it, like, the over-topness. And I know I was nitpicky with my trash and stuff like that, but overall, I, like... It's just a good watch. So, so if if there's no CGI and well, let's say there's a minimal CGI, mm-hmm. so a lot more stuff is real. Do you think that improves your rating? Because I think it would improve mine. Yes, CGI and possibly a little bit more backstory. Yeah, probably yeah. elevate it to like a what a soft fifteen. We're kind of all saying in our trashes that if they would have done this, it would have been better. So it's like it was almost there in my opinion. Yeah. You know, like. On certain things, I don't know. It was cool to see. Like, was there any other movie prior to this about taking over the White House? As far as like on that level, they made sure of that yeah. by, by going before White House down. <laughs> yeah, so it was cool to see, but you know, it just seems improbable. So I could think that's what's holding it back. Is this they didn't provide enough backstory? If like if they showed how this was done and make it more believable, 
I feel like that would have elevated it. I think the closest thing is probably X2 with Nightcrawler. Like, he gets in the White House. And That's a badass scene, though. Yeah. That is a badass yeah. scene. That's yeah. my but, like, he has, he has real motivation, though. Like, even though he's being controlled, there's still better motivation than what we get in this movie. But I'm just trying to think of something like that in the White House. I mean, that's probably the, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I can't think of a lot where it's like takes place like that in the White House. Oh, yeah. Taking it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so I was close to giving this movie a 15 until the end of the movie. Because I was like, oh, the action is way better than I thought it was going to be. I could forgive everything looking CG because in the back of my mind, I'm like, that's fake. That's fake. That's fake. And I'm just like... And I was on Wikipedia while I was watching it, and I was like, okay, they got a low budget. Maybe, you know, they couldn't get in DC, so I figured that. Had no idea how much of this movie was fake, like 90% of it. But, like, kind of like what we're all saying here, I was expecting a payoff for everything we saw in the beginning. So, like, the kid getting out easy, the boxing thing. Like, I, I personally didn't feel like that came full circle. Yeah. Just, just like, him having a wife for no reason. She doesn't really do anything, which kind of sucks. And she's a, a doctor. that could have come into play somehow some way I I just feel like a lot of things were set up and there's no real payoff villain motivations are like through the floor like Dylan McDermott's character is useless like you don't need him he has no motivation Kang's character they just quickly threw out some exposition about his motivations and I'm like why can't he just be an extremist like if he has no motivation stop making up shit Just, just make him an extremist and call it a day stop making up shit where there isn't any up until I got to the end in that abrupt ending I was ready to give this movie a 15 because I love these kinds of movies like mm-hmm. action, military, spy, espionage type movies. But like the story just doesn't come full circle and it's like super thin. So I'm going to go like a high 10. I'll give it a high 10. That's that's how I feel about it. So $10 for me. I mean, there's, there's no... We, we're giving this a $10. <laughs> there's no need for me to... Like, yeah, I just feel like... Which I think is... Ten. It's a solid... There, there's something there. Yeah. It's just they miss on some some things. I'm really curious. I have not seen London Has Fallen or the other one. I don't even know what the title is that. So I'd like to actually watch this. You're saying they're better, right? They're a little bit better, Okay, I, I, cool. in my opinion. I'm, I'm willing to watch them. I yeah. think they're all on Netflix, right? Yeah, they're all on Netflix. Yeah, they're all on cool. Netflix. Yeah, I'll yeah. give it a shot. Sweet. Mm-hmm. All right, so, but would you give Tom Cruise a shot? Yes, always. So yes. Uh, who's, uh, <laughs> who's Tom Cruise in this movie if he's in it? He could have been the double agent, the traitor. Yeah. You can't take Gerard Butler out of here. No, I'm not going to take Gerard Butler, but I'm going to maybe Aaron Eckhart. I would. The president? The president. Yeah. Tom Cruise can't be president. There's something too short. <laughs> <laughs> then, then Johnny Tran? Could he be the. I, the no, no, I like him. I like him. I like him. Why couldn't we make Rick Yoon the one of the Secret Service guys? Why does he have to be like bad the guy. bad guy? Yeah. Like, make Tom Cruise the bad guy, make Rick Yoon a good guy for once. Yeah. When we start our production company 20 years from now, Rick Yoon, you're the first person on our list <laughs> to play a good guy. Because we like you, man. We he's want great. you to be good. Yeah, But he's yeah. a great villain, though, also. True, yeah. yeah. Tom Cruise, he could be Dylan McDermott's character to me. I don't yeah. know. He'd be the kid fitting the walls. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. He'd be the people flying the planes. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> in the words of Tom Cruise, fuck you, Sally. Thanks for listening to this episode of $20 Ticket. Follow us on Instagram at $20 Ticket and leave your ticket price about the movies we've reviewed. If you have any comments or suggestions, send them to $20Ticket at gmail.com. That's 2-0, the numbers, $20Ticket at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts and thank you for listening. We gotta watch uh, 
Sonic the Vagehog. <laughs> I gotta send you that. You haven't seen it. All right, all right. <clears throat> it's a real thing, apparently. What? Sonic the Vagehog. It's it's a Pornhub parody of Sonic. Oh shit. <laughs> Erica said it's real, so we gotta watch it. Jesus Christ. Not together, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Pause. Yeah. Oh, see it in my own time. Pause were needed. Um, take notes. All Were right, they knuckles deep? <laughs> oh, shit. Maybe some of these uh, girls show some tail. I don't know. Yeah. I hope this gets edited out. <laughs> Jesus. Someone comes up, what the hell are these guys into? <laughs> Gotta go fast. <laughs> Executive produced by Gerardo. Gerardo? I can't even pronounce I can't, my, Gerardo I can't do my G's. Gerardo. You know, we ain't doing that. Geraldo. I can't. I'm sorry. I could make my voice deeper if I wanted to, but then I'd have to keep it up for two hours. So I don't know if. Oh, keep it up for two hours. Keep it up. Keep it up for two hours. Yeah, that's what she said. The fire rises. <laughs> We started at 6.30, exactly. But then we took, like, a couple of breaks already. I think we kind of went at it, though. And we kind of dicked around, too. We were talking about Sonic the Hedgehog. And I got something in my throat. Jeez. <clears throat> That's what she said. Um, <laughs> Never even heard of that movie. Dolphin Tail? No. No. Well, we got to find We got to watch it. Yeah. Add it to the list. You do that on your own time? Heard of Shark Tail. Nah, bro. I'm watching uh, Sonic the Fetch. Jesus. <laughs> Gotta go fast. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> 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 <laughs>